got to do it himself. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. And DeBrosa, young, safe, and Washington wins it. Taking nobody home, picked off by Miller, goes ahead, lanes on the other wing. He finds oh! We are live for another jam-packed March Madness on the line, a college basketball podcast episode. As always, I'm joined by the low major, the mid-major whisperer himself. Ben, how are you doing out there? What were the plays tonight for the fans at home? It, it was a lot of a lot of mid-major and low major, ugly, ugly plays tonight. You know, we started the day with the ULL 1130 game, hit, hit the first half spread on that. Then we continued hit hit Morgan State, hit Valpo, hit uh, American team total first half over 25 and a half. Imagine putting it that low. And then uh, <laughs> we, we lost. We lost with riding uh, Antoine. What's his name? Antoine Davis. Yeah. Antoine, Antoine Davis. Davis in Detroit Mercy didn't show he up was tonight. Cold. Didn't, he was didn't cold. cover the plus four and a half and then had a little HBCU teaser. Didn't hit. But before and two, it's a great night always. Yeah. Four and two puts dinner on the table for the family. It does. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get right into it. Um, the reason we're recording back-to-back nights is because, well, we're in the thick of it. We are in the thick of March Madness right now. I mean, I'm just I'm just layering myself up with, with these mid-major and low-major tournaments right now. I had two TVs on tonight watching the Atlantic Sun. Lipscomb Liberty was a – talk about – a brute of a game in in Lynchburg, Virginia tonight, Ben. Our boy, you know, if you go back to the archives and listen to Ben and I break down the Atlantic Sun uh, when we were recording over a tomato can, you will hear us talk about, I, I, I want to say, I, I heard him pronounce it tonight, and it's Asinandola? I believe is how you pronounce it. The big fellow. I thought it was acidula, but he was pronouncing it like all one syllable. He was going, yeah, he acidula. Was... I don't even know what he was saying. I thought it was very pronounced yeah. acidula, but he was putting it all together. But regardless, he played pretty yeah. well. And and he was he was you know a big big proponent coming into the year. He was going to be a huge contributor for this Lipscomb team coming in. But he got hurt around, you know, pretty early in the season, and he sat out for that LSU game. They saved him for conference play, but he never really 
got back into conference play. Uh, and then later in the year, they've they've worked them into the offense. And Lipscomb's kind of changed the way they play, and they play a really slow, methodical pace through him on the inside. So it was great to see Liberty adjust to that. And they they won a absolute uh, just classic college basketball game. Uh, what, what was the score? I think it was 53-47, I want to yeah, say. Something like that. It was uh, it was definitely played 52-47. It was definitely played at an abysmally slow place. But uh, on the other bra- on the other side of things, Bellerman, uh, you know, came back and beat FGCU. So things are things are looking up in Louisville, Kentucky for, for Bellerman. They're they're special, and I really liked what I saw tonight out of uh, out of Penn. The you know. What what a, what an unselfish point guard to play in that offense, but he's so intelligent. FGCU at one point went to a two three zone, and Penn as the point guard, he's initiating the the pass on the weak side, and then immediately cutting. You know he's doing a little flare screen on the first defender out wide, getting his guy open. So then they do a quick ball reversal. Then Penn's on the inside, bounce pass to Penn, and he's got people cutting at at the foul line so that that's a great way of him to know that his strength as a point guard it doesn't really matter where on the court he is he is the point guard and and bottom line he was getting himself in a position to help his teammates score and it was really great to see yeah some absolutely great games tonight but uh we have even more to look forward to this weekend Starting with the American East tournament starting this weekend, a conference that has been absolutely dominated by Vermont. They only dropped one game in conference this year, and I see no change in that going into this tournament. How about you? Vermont's minus 700. That tells you all you need to know. Uh, the next the next highest odds or you know, most likely odds is UMBC at plus 1,000. There's there's no team in, in this conference worth betting on besides Vermont, and they're not worth it at minus 700. So just bet Vermont on the individual games. I think they're definitely going to take care of business. You and I were talking a little bit before the show. I'd say they're looking at a, at a strong 13 seed when they win the conference tournament, uh, p- potentially a 12 on, on how different things shake up. But this is going to be a team that you're definitely going to want to have your eye on come – come March and come tournament time because they're definitely going to be an upset, but they're, they're not really even my team. They're more Ben's team. So Ben, why don't you, why don't you share the, to the folks what you got? At- yeah. The one game they lost was because for a period of about five or six games, they didn't have two of their starters and Finn Sullivan and Ryan Davis, their star center. And they lost one of the games during that, but even more importantly, they won the other three or four games in pretty convincing fashion. And, uh, man, when this team is rolling with all their guns, with Ben Shingu, a dynamic wing, great ball handler, knows how to get to the hole, has a great jump shot. And then Ryan Davis, their center, can shoot it from outside. He's really good in the post. They can just score really efficiently. They had their most efficient season in school history on the offensive end. And not only that, but the most efficient season in American East history on the offensive end. Just everyone has chipped in on this team the entire season. But it starts with Shingun. Shingun can play in any conference in America, I really think. I think he's been the difference maker for them all season. He's too athletic for most of the guards in the American East. He's too fast. He has too good of a jump shot. You can't give him too much room. 
And so, I mean, they're just they're just a tank at this point. Combining him with Ryan Davis, who is just so savvy on the post, he can post you up, he can pull you outside, he can do all kinds of different things. But I mean, we kind of knew that going into this year, that they were going to have those two guys. Everyone else has what pushed this thing over the edge. They've all shot well from Powell to Deloney to Missoula to Finn Sullivan, the point guard. I've all shot the ball well from the outside. They have tons of assists. They really pass the ball around. And, um, man, they're a fun team to watch. I mean, looking at Sullivan, Missoula, Deloney, Powell, Shingu, and Davis all shoot over 33% from three. Just incredibly efficient. So uh, I'm just telling you, with the right matchup, as a 13 or possibly a 12, if things really fall their way, they're going to be hell to deal with, I think. Do you want to guess how many people their, their home stadium holds? I've watched games their home stadium. It's very tiny. I would venture to say Zachary High School has a bigger capacity. <laughs> what, would you, what would you take your stab at? I have no clue. Uh, 3,000? Yeah, it's 3,266. Yeah, that sounds about right. Very small stadium. All right, on to the next conference. We have the Colonial. This is a conference that's spearheaded by Towson. They have the favorite odds right now. I've seen plus 140 at some websites. I think that's pretty good value for this team. Like I mentioned in the last episode, they won their conference regular season. So it's been a big season for Towson, and they're, they're definitely my pick to win it. If you're looking for somewhat of a value play, I look at Hofstra. Uh, shout out Marcus Colston. Plus 350 for the Hofstra. I don't even know Hofstra's name anymore. That's how bad I've gotten. The Pride. Oh, that's right. They are the Hofstra Pride. Yeah. Well, shout out to the Pride. Uh, plus 350. Pretty pretty decent odds. I'd, I'd, I'd look at them as well. Yeah, they've been good all season to uh, to go along with Towson. But, man, Towson's just been an incredible story this year on their turnaround. And they seem too determined to really let this go. So I think Towson's going to end up pulling this through. And I actually like the odds. I mean, you said they're as high as plus 140. I like those odds. What you can always do is whenever they get to the championship, maybe play Hofstra or one of these other teams, you can always uh, hedge that with the other team on the money line. So I really like Towson at that number for sure. I'll I'll give this a pretty good watchability rating. Outside of Towson and Hofstra, there's some – there's some grimy teams in this conference. There's the Delaware. College of Charleston. There's Charleston. There's Drexel. There's UNCW. UNCW, who started off the season really well. Delaware, who's been frisky all season. So there's some really interesting teams in here. Yeah, I'd give it a watchability of, of probably seven. Uh, I, I didn't give mine for the American East. That watchability would just be like five because you should really just watch Vermont a few times to decide if you like their style against whatever team that they come across. But Towson's Towson's pretty good. I I really like them. They're actually higher on Ken Palm and and some net and RPI than than Vermont. Vermont's 69th on Ken Palm. Towson's 65th, and Towson plays a really they efficient. Have, offense. They have way better competition in their conference. I think is is why there's just not much competition for Vermont in the American East. No, there is not. Uh, also, I mean, but I will say Towson, you know, early in the year, they did struggle. They started the year three and three and then six and four. But they they played San Francisco. They only lost by 10. They played Ohio State, only lost by 11. So they have proven that they can play with some of the best teams in the, in the country. And 
kind of go toe for toe with them. So yeah, I actually watched the Ohio State game. They didn't look outclassed. They didn't look like out athleted, alpha out athleted or anything. Yeah. But they just got beat because Ohio State's a better team. Right. But yeah, I think they're a team to keep an eye on. What would you give Towson right now in the bubble, assuming they win the conference tournament? I think that they could be a 12 maybe, but they're probably going to end up being a 13. They're kind of probably at Vermont's level, I would say. I think – I'd say 14. I'd lean more 14, but I could see a 13 as well. And then if if Hofstra Hofstra wins, I'd say Hofstra's going to be like a 15. Maybe even a 16, but probably a 15. On to a conference that, uh, with all due respect, is definitely going to produce a 16 seed, and that is the NEC or the Northeast Conference. I have Wagner winning it. I think Wagner's a more complete team. They actually play defense. You love Bryant. You've been a, a big Bryant fan. Ever since dating back to last year when you were betting Bryant overs, Bryant plays at an electric pace. They're actually fifth in adjusted tempo, according to Ken Palm. But Wagner, this Wagner team to me is just a little bit more complete. And the reason I say that, it really boils down to to their guards, Alex Morales and Will Martinez. Alex Morales, you know, he's a he's a great three-point shooter, but he he's also just able to create chances and really score with the best of them. And you know, he's he's done that a few times this year. He he had 24 against Bryant. I will say they lost, but it was a close game, only lost by eight. So he's he's a he's a great player, and he's someone that could easily get 25 to 30 points in a conference tournament game. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to lean with the best player here in the conference and Peter Kiss and Bryant, and they really have no signs of slowing down on this offense. I mean, it's just been Incredible the rate that which they scored all year, and I think they're going to end up pulling it out. But my uh, my value play was with Mount St. Mary's. Yeah, Mount St. Mary's at plus 1,100 is a good play. Mount St. Mary's can play with both of these teams. Mount St. Mary's can play with both these teams. They've been uh, really solid all year and really consistent, so that would definitely be my value play. I like that. Uh, also, quick update on the odds: Wagner's plus one sixty-five and Bryant's minus one fifteen. LIU is plus seven hundred. So, if you want to get on on that action, moving on to a conference that you're very fond of, and that's the Summit League. The Summit League is spearheaded by South Dakota State. This is a team that they're they're probably gonna be a twelve. I'd say twelve thirteen as well. You know, kind of in that range. But they shoot the lights out. So because of that three-point shooting, their team, that it, it really doesn't matter who you are, you're in immediate jeopardy of, of losing the game just because the way South Dakota can shoot themselves into games. So they're definitely heavy favorites right now at minus 190. Ben, what do you have on the Summit Conference? They're my favorite to win it for sure. They have to be the favorite the way they've dominated all year. The only slip-up they had was this. Uh, did they lose a game? I mean, the only one I remember no, them they having went, trouble they went, in. They went eighteen to overtime. They went they to went overtime with Oral this last week, and that was really the only slip up they had. They did not play well the entire game. They came back at the end, forced overtime, and ended up winning it. But uh, I mean, they were eighteen and zero in the Summit League. Uh, they, they only beat North Dakota State by four. They beat North Dakota by six, and then they went to overtime against Oral, and to kind of demonstrate their pace of play as well as Oral's pace of play, 
uh, 106-102 in overtime, but still, that's college basketball. That's insane. And they're they're first in the country in three-point percentage. Uh, they're shooting 44.3% from three. And oddly enough, probably, arguably their best player doesn't even shoot threes, which is pretty funny. Uh, so Yeah, they just share the ball really well, and they don't take bad shots, and they have a bunch of guys who can shoot the basketball. So they never really get stuck in bad spots or – you know, taking bad shots, but uh, yeah, the summit league has been one of my favorite leagues over the last couple of years and South Dakota state just sucked all the fun out of it this year. I mean, just absolutely dominant in some of these games, but I mean, I'm looking at a minus two twenty. I think you can lay that and feel comfortable about it for South Dakota state. But if you really want to take value, I think the only team that's proven they can hang with them is Oral Roberts, just because whenever they play them Oral Roberts does have the best player on the floor and Max Abmus. So uh, if you want to take a shot, that's Abe Smith's oral at plus 550. I think it's not a bad shot in the dark. If if you, you know, we've seen this in the past. We've seen very, very dominant teams in conference in these lower conferences run the whole table and then just play a bad game in the conference tournament. And it happens to the best of them. So if you want to take a shot, I think it has to be oral. Watchability, I would put this at eight. There's going to be a lot of games in the 90s in this. And there's definitely going to be games in the 80s, and there's probably going to be games in the 90s in this tournament. I mean, some of these teams get wild. Kansas City, not really, but teams like Western Illinois and Omaha and North Dakota and Oral Roberts. Are St. Thomas. St. Thomas is going to chuck now. They're all going to chuck. So it'll be fun to watch. Absolutely. Moving on to a conference tournament that, that's that's in the full swing here. I, I, I believe we're in the semis right now, and that's the Horizon League. Uh, the Horizon League, you know, we could have covered it last night, but eh, we're, we, were, we, were, we were good on that. So, Ben, what do you have on the Horizon League? You were telling me earlier how much you love this Fort Wayne team. What do you have? Yeah, so tonight they had the quarterfinals. Purdue Fort Wayne moved on. North uh, North Kentucky moved on. Wright State and Cleveland State moved on. And uh, I don't. I just don't really love any of these teams, to be honest. I, I, none of these teams interest me if they get in the tournament as being potential upsets. None of these teams really stick out to me. I liked Oakland halfway through the year, and then they fell off through the last half of the year. Cleveland State has kind of been the the mainstay in this conference, they've been pretty consistent over the whole year at 15 and six. The team that's really caught fire down the stretch, though, is this Purdue Fort Wayne team. I think this is 10 straight wins now for them, including an overtime win over Cleveland State and a road win at Oakland. So, I mean, if you're going to have to ride a team going into these semifinals and these finals, I think it has to be Purdue Fort Wayne on current form. And they played pretty well tonight again, winning by six over UIC. Scoring 78 points again. Jared Godfrey hit 22, who's going to lead them in points almost every single game. So I think it has to be Purdue-Fort Wayne if you're going to take somebody. Yeah, and they're another team that can really shoot the ball from the outside. 37% from three. That's 37th in the country. So, yeah, Purdue is definitely a team. Purdue-Fort Wayne is definitely a team that that should kind of have your attention. Uh, I, 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 don't, I haven't seen odds on anyone to win the tournament. Uh, they played Northern Kentucky next. That's probably going to be like a two, three point spread. That, that game's going to be a very close. I got odds. Spread. I got odds. Oh, so you got odds. All Cleveland right. State is plus 180. Wright State's plus 210. 
Northern Kentucky's plus 330 and Purdue Fort Wayne's plus 350. So I definitely think Purdue Fort Wayne's a, is a good shot. It's a great value play. Uh, if it's not going to be Purdue Fort Wayne, I think it's going to be Cleveland State. They've just been a little more consistent than Wright State this year, and I'm not really enamored with Northern Kentucky. Yeah, Northern, I, I thought Northern Kentucky was going to be a lot better than they were coming into the year. They've just – no, just no thank you. I, I, I thought the Norse were going to be something serious. They've had really some cool underwhelming court. spots this year. They got swept yeah. in the season series by Detroit Mercy. Well, they made up for that tonight and beat yeah, them. They lost, they lost a, a lost road game Milwaukee. to Robert Morris. They lost to Milwaukee. has been terrible this year. Especially with all their coaching stuff going on. They've just lost some really bad games. So they got yeah. beat, blown out by Purdue Fort Wayne, blown out by Cleveland State. So, yeah, I'm not enamored with them at all. Yeah, me, me neither. But whoever wins their Ryzen League, probably going to be a 15 seed. Watchability, I'd give this one maybe a five. I don't, this tournament doesn't really do it for me. I'm definitely, there should gonna, be competitive semifinals and finals. Yeah, but absolutely. I'm just but not I, really excited to watch any of these teams. I agree. Well, how about some games we are excited to watch? And that's this weekend. We got some big marquee regular season finale games. Uh, Obviously, you know, we're a uh, Duke network over here at On the Line. And uh, Coach K is the last game. Thank you for everything you've done for the game, Coach K. Uh, all the times you've yelled at those players after you've lost and, you know, faked back injuries. Thank God you're finally getting out of here. But anyways, on to some other games. Bama at LSU. This is a huge spot for LSU after a uh, pretty demoralizing loss. First, what would you say the line's going to be for this game? It's going to be LSU short, maybe LSU by three. LSU by a point and a hook. That's mine. And uh, this is actually the battle for the five seed, I believe, because Alabama, South Carolina, and Florida all tied at nine and eight, while LSU's eight and nine. And Florida and South Carolina are playing Kentucky and Auburn, so I don't expect them to win those games. So I think if LSU wins this game, they become the five seed. Now Texas A&M is also eight and nine, and they play Mississippi State. So but we own the tiebreaker over them. So uh, this is basically the five seed for LSU. I'm not sure how important that is, but it has to be somewhat important to them to get the highest seed possible for you know drawing some teams. So it's an important game. I think I, you have to keep the momentum rolling after the way. It's very disappointing how the last game ended, but you played it hard. You played with fight. You played pretty well the whole game. So. You just have to keep the effort, I think, rolling and keep this momentum going towards March. Yeah. So, do you think it will? We'll discuss that at a later date. I want to break down this four way tie that's going to happen Saturday and try to wrap my head around it. Uh, so, Bama plays us. So, they, if they lose, they go to nine and nine in the conference. Florida plays Kentucky. That's an L. They go to nine and nine. South Carolina plays Auburn. That's an L. Yeah, and I just realized the Texas A&M Miss- Mississippi State play each other. So one of them is going to be 9-9. Nine and nine. So if LSU beats Alabama and all the other – I mean, obviously we're expecting Florida and South Carolina to lose to the best two teams. Which we shouldn't. Defense. So there's going to be a four-way tie. Oh, my God. So only God knows how you split a four-way tie. <laughs> also, I just realized that it, it, if somehow uh, – oh, wait, no, that can't happen. Because Arkansas, you, you could potentially have a three-way tie first if 
Auburn yeah, somehow slips up, and then Kentucky wins and Tennessee wins or Arkansas wins. Yeah, one of Tennessee. them is going to win. So wow, I just there's gonna be a lot of things going on. Well, there's, I mean, there's there's definitely gonna be a two way tie for second. You would yeah. think. So yeah. there's gonna be a lot of ties and tiebreakers going on. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how it all shakes out. But regardless, yeah. if LSU wins this game. Yeah. You're better positioned than if you lose this game. We'll say. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna post the <laughs> I'm gonna post the um what Zach Elfinakis math gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's me right now trying to figure out all these SEC tiebreakers. Okay, well, well, the other two big games the SEC are Arkansas Tennessee. This is at 11 also on ESPN. How do you see this game shaking out? I definitely have Tennessee as favorites. I got Tennessee as a two-point favorite, and I think Tennessee's going to beat him. Um, Klosvich, uh for Tennessee, he doesn't take that flopping Jalen Williams BS that we saw last night, and I, I think I think he's going to be ready to scrap when he starts flopping. And I've been really impressed with Fescovy and how hot he's been. Also, Kennedy Chandler is starting to take a step to the next level he's he's been really impressive and you know i don't want to talk too much nba but i think he might be a top 10 pick yeah these are two teams they've kind of feasted on their home court really held serve on their home court and not played as well on the road so i, I expect tennessee to probably win this game and arkansas to kind of fall off from uh from last game you know really emotional game so i, I don't expect them to come out as hot this game the other SEC game is Kentucky at Florida. This is going to be at 1 o'clock on CBS following the LSU game. I mean, Kentucky, it's just Kentucky's a question five of – five points, I think. It might be more than that, but, yeah, at least five points, I think. It's just a question of how healthy is this backcourt. And that's kind of going to be the question lingering around this game into the SEC tournament until we see both of them come out and play a full 32, 34 minutes and really see them flourish – but, I mean, if they come out there and do that this game, I don't see any way they lose this game with Florida's guard play, how they've struggled with it this year. Yeah, I, I will say Florida got that huge win against Auburn. So, I mean, they've kind of proven anything's possible in that home court. Um, Florida is definitely a, a tough place to go on the road and win. So, it's going to be senior night. I, I wouldn't put the upset past them. But to me, Kentucky probably wins this game. I, I don't know if they cover, though. I'd maybe look at Florida to cover if the number's big enough. Going to some Big 12 action, we got Texas at Allen Fieldhouse playing Kansas. Kansas survived tonight against TCU. This TCU team's playing phenomenal. We'll get to them later on in the show. But what you got for Texas-Kansas? It's going to be a really another fun one. You know, we had this Kansas at Texas game earlier in the season. Texas edged out and get at the end. It was very physical. It was like rugby going down there in the trenches with uh, McCormick and Timmy Allen and Trey Mitchell and crew. This game will not feature Trey Mitchell, unfortunately. And so, I mean, I think Kansas just really has to take advantage down low. Timmy Allen's kind of, they have Timmy Allen and Bishop who's been playing really well down low for Kansas, but this is just going to be a scrappy backyard fight down in, uh, in the fog. So, I mean, I, th- I think Kansas is just a better team. So I expect them to get this win. Um, Texas didn't really play well last game against Baylor. They didn't really show up for that game. So uh, I don't think that'll change much in this game. I think Kansas is probably going to hold them off and get a, you know, five to seven point victory. 
I like it. What what you got for USC at UCLA? Uh, the Bruins have been struggling of late, but it makes up for it with how much USC has been struggling. So uh, rivalry game here. Um, I've been told I don't want to say that word. That's kind of the joke. That's the bit, uh, the speech impediment. So I'd say UCLA is probably going to be a minus three and a half favorite right here. And give me UCLA. I, I do think they're going to start to, to feel themselves a little bit and, they, they really have to, if they want to do anything, come tournament time and either the Pac-12 or the NCA. So, yeah, give me the Bruins, and I'll take them to cover as well. I think if you're a 10, 11, 12 seed and you draw one of these teams, I think you're going to feel pretty good about yourself to maybe pull the upset. I don't like the way either of these teams are headed, you know, with a, with a below average Pac-12, to say the most. You know, they haven't been really convincing in this conference and neither team and that last game by USC, man, that was ugly. I can't believe they kept airing that on national television, Arizona. It was just doing <laughs> disgusting things to USC and Arizona is just so clearly a tier above these teams. You know, UCLA this last month lost some weird games. He lost on the road to Oregon. They lost on the road to Arizona state and, and USC, you know, some of the same, just some weird, bad losses for them this season. I don't see it with either one of these teams. I'm not interested in this game at all. I'd probably take UCLA just because I think they have more talent. And, uh, man, the USC guards have been struggling lately. I think UCLA just probably has some better guards. But, again, if I'm a lower seed playing one of these teams in the NCAA tournament, I'm licking my chops. All right. Iowa at Illinois. I'd say a line eye, probably three point favorites, and I definitely like the line eye to win this game. Iowa's a larger defense. This is going to be a game where they're going to heavily feature Kofi inside. Give me the line eye, and honestly, I think they, they kind of win it by double digits here. Um, I haven't really been that impressed with this Iowa team all year long. I love Bohannon, um, but the rest of the team, I'm just not really that thrilled about obviously Keegan Murray is a special player and he's a special draft prospect, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not as enthralled with this Iowa team as a lot of people are. I completely disagree. I haven't been enthralled with this Iowa team either, to be honest, but watching them play tonight and then the way they've just built on their performances the last couple of weeks on that road, Ohio state win, the Michigan state win back to back. And then this win uh, at Michigan they're just playing at a pace that's really higher than these teams. Now, I think Illinois will match that pace, but I think this is probably a 50-50 game, a last possession game. Keegan Murray's just been so good, man, and really the reason he's been so good the last month is he just hasn't been taking the bad shots that he was earlier in the season. You know, he only took nine shots tonight, made seven of them, four, four from three for 23 points, seven rebounds, and three assists. He's really finding the open man. Jordan Bohannon's been playing better and better and shooting better. It's just can their forwards hold up down low against Coburn and the rest of these guys. And, uh, I mean, that's just what it comes down to because I think the guards in this game are going to be electric on both sides. Yeah, if you like great guard play, this is definitely a game to watch. But I think most of the guard play for Illinois is going to be throwing the ball inside to Kofi and him just banging inside against the lack of bigs for Iowa. Last game, though, here it is. It's – Five 
five central. This is a five central game, so six Eastern. Him, it's it's the guy, Coach K. Last game, UNC Duke. I'd say Duke's going to be about a five and a half point favorite, and give me Duke by a billion. If you think if you think this Duke team is going to lose this game, you're out of your mind. Now, will they're going to come out on fire. Now, look here's here's what you do for this game. I'm I'm giving I'm giving you this. This is not even advice. This is a uh, prescription. I'm a doctor right now. You bet two units on Duke to cover. Then you just spend the whole game cheering against Duke because it's going to be a lot funnier if they lose. But two units, if they win, you're probably going to cover. They're probably going to win big. So that's a prescription for the weekend. There is no shot in the world that UNC is going to win this game. I just really don't think so. And UNC is going to get fucking drummed. I'd, I'd be looking at alt lines. This UNC team is terrible. I'd be looking at all team totals for Duke. I, Anything up to 95. I mean, they're going to pour it on them. Yeah. I mean, you already know the, the atmosphere there is going to be nuts. The emotion is going to be insane. He's invited all like 200 and something former players. He could well, gonna... there. They're all well, gonna be I mean, sitting in the crowd. It's gonna be it's gonna be unreal. There's gonna be some crazy halftime ceremony probably, and there's gonna be a lot of energy in the building. And that has nothing to do even with how much more talented this Duke team is than this North Carolina team. And they really showed it the last time they played them. They just absolutely blew them out from the start, from the first whistle to the last. They just they just have so much better players and. I've kind of been lower on Duke in terms of bracketology and stuff and how they stack up against the other, you know, elite, elite teams in the country. But there's no elite other elite teams in this conference and especially not UNC. In my eyes, this is going to be a shellacking from start to finish if I've ever seen one. Yeah, I mean, this is what we do best, though. If you were to give odds on which players shown first, and then which players shown most will be like your five, your top five odds for each. So are we doing most or, or most? We're doing, or we're doing both. Yeah. Yeah. Top five odds for most top most. five odds for first. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Grant Hill here. Ooh. I'm thinking of Leitner probably maybe, maybe a little JJ Reddick sprinkled in. Uh, Jay Billis, obviously, he may be so commentating give, the game though, so that's why so I would put him up there. Well, yeah, to me, Billis is obviously gonna be the first one shown. He's probably gonna be announcing though. I, yeah, well, I he's gonna be announcing, but like it's he's still gonna be the first one, so that's like minus a thousand. But then the most I'd go, I'd go plus 700 JJ Reddick and then Leitner is about like plus 500. I'd say Grant Hill is going to be like plus 550. Um, Maybe a little Shane Battier. Bobby Hurley can't come, huh? No, no shot. He's probably coaching. Fuck. Shane he Battier? Was... Sheldon. Will- oh, Jay Williams. We're forgetting about Jay. Williams. Oh, Jay Williams is a good one too. Sheldon Williams. Maybe. If if I don't get a Greg Paulus sighting, I'm gonna throw a temper tantrum. <laughs> but I, I need think, Greg Paulus wearing his Syracuse football jersey. <laughs> I think Grant Hill and Leitner have to be the the favorites for this. They're just whenever you think of Duke basketball, you're kind of thinking about those two guys in my eyes. 
All right, so that's kind of all the big weekend games for this weekend. It's going to be really a huge, huge slate, so you definitely want to tune in. Uh, we're just going to wrap up here with a little bubble update on some of these teams that we had mentioned last time when we talked about the bubble. You know, they've made some moves here and there, uh, specifically a, a couple of big team, Big Ten teams here who had a face-off this week in Indiana and Rutgers. Rutgers went into Bloomington, got a huge win in my eyes. That's put them back in the field and put Indiana squarely on the chopping block. One of the last, you know, two teams in or out, just just right on the edge. And they got a lot of work to do. But so does Rutgers. You know, Rutgers is going to have to finish strong. But it was just a really big step for them to get that win the other night. And, um, you know, I feel better about Rutgers. This is just a lot of quad one wins piling up for them. Ron Harper can't stop making clutch jump shots. I tried to tell you about Rod Harper starting last year. I mean, you were you were all over the Ron Harper Jr. bandwagon last year. I, I was I was pretty dismissive of him, but man, he's a special player. So I'd say Rutgers is is definitely going to make it. I, I think Indiana makes it. Um, as for a Big Ten team that I don't see making it, Michigan. I just I don't I don't I don't see it. No, Michigan's kind of an interesting case. They've they've missed some games this season, so they don't have as many games played as some other teams. 16 and 12, you know, four and nine in quad one games now, four and two in quad two. They're just gonna have a lot of opportunities left to just get some really good wins. Uh, this I think any of these big ten teams are alive for the sole reason they're gonna have a lot of chances to pick up great resume building wins in their conference tournament. And so I think they're all three of these guys are still alive. You know, Michigan had a great chance to, you know, get a stranglehold on the being in the tournament tonight against Iowa at home, but they have another great chance Sunday at Ohio state. So there's just, there's just opportunities all around for these big 10 teams to get huge wins. And I mean, once you stack up enough quad one wins, it's hard to ignore. Completely agree. On to our favorite conference, the Mountain West. San Diego State with a huge win against Wyoming. There, I'd say San Diego State's definitely going to make it, even as an at-large. Uh, all they, all they really have to do is make it to the semis in their conference tournament, and then they're probably in. Wyoming, you, you now have Wyoming on the bubble though because of this loss and because of the loss at Colorado State, which I was in attendance by the way. That was my, that was my uh, Chris Berman. Uh, impression for all the times Chris Berman reminds you when he was at the uh, 49ers Dwight Clark catch. Yeah, and uh, neither of those losses are particularly bad losses. I mean, they didn't play great in really either of those games, but I mean, they were betting underdogs in both those games. So, you know, Wyoming has a chance to get back on track this Saturday against Fresno State after taking a bad loss to UNLV this uh yes last night so kind of have to have this fresno state game to keep themselves afloat and then i think if they can just survive in the mountain west tournament without having bad losses i think san diego State's the same way they're up by three right now in fresno at half but i think fresno i mean i think san diego state and wyoming if they just avoid bad losses going in i think they're gonna be okay yeah. Also, I don't know if I'd even call UNLV a bad loss for Fresno State. Fresno State's just not playing good ball. I think UNLV is a pretty good team, um, but 
No, UNLV is a good team, and they've had an incredible home record this year. They've uh, they beat some of the really good teams, but um, in terms of resume building, it's just not a yeah, hundred percent. It's not viewed in the same way as the San Diego State or Colorado State loss, and um. I don't know. I, I still have faith in this Wyoming team. I still think, you know, they're coming back home to Laramie. They're going to get this win over Fresno State, who's a quality, quality team. And then I think really think if they just avoid bad losses in the Mountain West uh, conference game, they're going to get in. It might be close. It might be some uh, fingers crossed and arms crossed and legs crossed and toes crossed on Selection Sunday. But I think uh, they've done enough this season to get in in my eyes. And uh, San Diego State, I think, they can only climb, and uh, we talked about the Mountain West, or maybe we didn't talk about the Mountain West tournament, but I put a pick out on the Twitter. You haven't yet. On the Twitter sphere, I I like them to win the tournament. I like the way they're playing. I think the conference tournament has a lot to do with momentum going into the conference tournament, how you're playing at that specific time, not necessarily even if you're the best team. And I just like the way this crew is rolling. Uh, I would say another game to keep an eye on before the tournament is the last game of the season. We have Boise at Colorado State this Saturday night, which is another big game. Uh, we did not even mention, but that's a huge game in the Mountain West. And see if either of those teams can kind of get it rolling going into the tournament as well. As for the AAC, Memphis and SMU, I don't they, they see both, it. They both played tonight. Memphis won at South Florida. SMU won at home against Cincinnati. Neither were that convincing in my eyes. I think both of them have work left to do. Now, Memphis has a huge opportunity hosting Houston this Sunday. And um, the thing is, there's just not a lot of opportunities in this conference, even in the conference tournament, to get big wins. So this may come down to a little, little elimination. It looks like SMU and Memphis may be the two and three seeds. So it may come down to a semifinal game winning your end sort of thing like that. Cause I don't see a world where both of them get in. I completely agree. There's no world where uh, the AAC has more than three teams make it unless maybe like a uh, Memphis upsets Houston in the, in the semis. And then, like Tulane makes it or like SMU wins it or something like that. I, I could see some shenanigans happen like that, but no, it's, it's going to be a battle between these two teams for that last spot in the, from the AAC. As for out West, we got Oregon. Yeah. And they took a really bad loss to Washington tonight. I think they're pretty much done from an AQ's perspective. I just don't see it. It's just been too many bad losses for the Ducks this year. Dana Allman really hasn't got them playing consistent basketball game over game. So I, I think they're going to have to win the tournament or come very, very close to. Yeah, they're, uh, it's, it's a shame they, they can't play UCLA like 28 times a year because they obviously have UCLA's number, but it doesn't seem like they have too many other teams' numbers in the Pac-12 this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if Dana Altman works his magic and, and, you know, wins the tournament. It, it really wouldn't surprise me all that much. But from an AQ standpoint, like you said, they are probably out. Uh, speaking of AQ teams that, you know, maybe they're in, maybe they're not, but they can definitely win their tournament is Loyola. Loyola Chicago. Uh, Joey Fraud Lenardi, uh, he said Ben doesn't know how to make a bracket. He said that on, on live TV. Go look it up. Uh, and and he has Loyola out. Ben, you still have have Loyola in. Uh, tell me why. 
I just trust them in this conference tournament. And their resume is okay as it looks. They just can't take another bad or even mediocre loss. So they really have to run through this tournament in my eyes. Maybe they lose in the final and that's enough to get in. But I, I have faith in them. I mean, they're the betting odds for a reason. They always play well in this tournament. They always come out strong. And so I just think they're going to get it done. I don't think there's any reason not to expect them to. Yeah, they're they're definitely going to get it done. And if you're a if you're a team like an Indiana or Rutgers or uh, you know Memphis or SMU, you're you're really pulling for Loyola Chicago. If any any team that's on the bubble right now is pulling like hell for Loyola Chicago to just run through that conference tournament, VCU, you a got team them on the bubble. That, that they live on the bubble, dude. A team that has been on fire these last couple months of the season really wasn't talking about him at all. I kind of had some other A10 teams in the bubble throughout the year, including St. Bonaventure and St. Louis, and even Dayton now and then. But VCU's kind of emerged here. They're they're going to finish the season fourteen and three. They have one game left against St. Louis on the road. Another opportunity for a big win for them. They're sitting at forty eight in the net, so that's that's pretty decent, you know, for a bubble team. Two and two in quad one, four and four, no. Yeah, two and two in quad one, four and four in quad two, 11 and one quad three, and four and oh in quad four. So, really, only one bad loss. I still think they have work to do, but I just want to mention them. They've been on absolute fire lately. They've been winning a bunch of games. They, they played on Tuesday night. They absolutely blew out St. Bonaventure by 20 plus points. They've just really, really been hot. I wouldn't doubt at all if they ran straight through this conference tournament. This is. A lot of this is eight wins in a row now, ever since they lost to Dayton at home over some quality A10 sides, including Richmond and George Mason, then Rhode Island and uh, St. Bonaventure the other night. Another big uh, building block for them on the road Saturday at three o'clock against St. Louis. This is on ESPN2. It's to be a great game, I'm sure. Uh, St. Louis is going to be a great atmosphere for senior night. You know, it's it's going to be Yuri Collins senior night, I'm pretty sure. Oh, no. Yeah, it is. No, nah, he's not a senior yet, but you never want to deal with this team. I mean, especially at the, the home environments in this conference are really incredible. You think about St. Bonaventure's, whenever you think about it, and Dayton's and VCU's and St. Louis. So, road games are just really not easy in this conference. But VCU can stack this win and then go in the conference tournament, get some more quality wins. I, I like them. I If you had. If you had to tell me to pick a team right now that's outside of the tournament to get in, I would pick VCU. I like that. A team that, you know, I I said last week, they're probably a, a first four in because they're going to get one of these big wins against a Texas Tech or a Kansas. And that's TCU. And TCU said, what if we just got both of them? And they went ahead and they did it. Huge win against Texas Tech. Huge win against Kansas. They they did lose to Kansas tonight in Allen Fieldhouse, but they played tough all game. They, they yeah, played really well again. I, I don't see I don't see how you can keep this TCU team out. Uh, whether it's from I think a they're squarely in now. I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah, whether whether it's from a metric perspective or honestly an eye test, they're they're definitely one of the best teams in the country, and they deserve a shot in the tournament. So they're comfortably in for me. Yeah, and I even think 
if they, you know, keep building on this throughout the, the year, I think they're going to avoid the eight, nine line in my eyes. I, their metrics are looking really good. They're sitting at 44 in the net now, six and six in quad one, three and three, four and oh, six and oh. I mean, that's a really, really good resume when we're looking at that throughout the season. And yeah, I, I think they're going to keep building on it. They finish at home against West Virginia on Saturday. And then the Big 12 tournament, who knows? It's going to be a slaughterhouse all over the place. It's going to be a war and, uh, in Kansas City. <laughs> the, the Big 12 tournament's going to have a watchability of like an 11. That, that, that tournament's going to be fun. But anything else before we hit the road? No, it's going to be a very, very fun weekend of basketball, I think. I mean, regular season finale, conference titles on the line. You know, whenever you think about conference titles, you're thinking about who won the conference tournament. But for players and for coaches and for programs, the regular season title really means a lot more to them. You know, I think about whenever LSU won the regular season title a couple seasons ago, it was really special for Will Wade and this program. And it's just more of an achievement, I think, in my eyes to go throughout a whole season. You play 18 games. You know, some conferences play a different amount of games, but it's a lot of games home on the road and hostile environments to fit in your home court. It's just a lot more of an achievement than going to Charlotte or Pensacola or Tampa or whatever and winning four games in a row, I think. Yeah, obviously for the small majors where it's, you know, the only what your only path at getting to the NCAA tournament is through winning your conference tournament. It, you know, it, it's kind of equal, right, with the regular season title versus the conference tournament title. But for these bigger conferences, it's all about winning winning the regular season conference, truth be told. I mean, I that when LSU won that conference championship, that was a, that was a huge deal. So I, I still remember that. I still remember being at that game. That was that was a really big deal for for the fans and, and for the players and, you know, watching watching your guys cut down the net for something that they spent all year achieving. It's really special. So don't don't forget to watch those games. It's going to be it's going to be a great weekend of college basketball. But I did want to ask you, Ben, real quick before we hit the road. Do you have any bets for tomorrow? I mean, we got some we got some daytime basketball. I'm I'm playing around with a little uh, a little money line parlay that I, I kind of want to share. But what, what, what go ahead and one? share it. Then. Uh, <laughs> don't I, I hold got, back. I got Longwood. At minus three ten, Winthrop at minus two seventy five, and Loyola Chicago at minus two fifty five, plus one fifty one. Probably going to put two units on that. Um, you know, I just I know North Carolina A and T is a tough team, but Longwood, you know, their their guard play has just been so consistent all year long, and and I really think they're going to take care of business. They know it's at stake. Loyola Chicago, same deal. They can't afford any more bad losses, like we said. They really don't want to, you know, force themselves to be perfect in the conference tournament. Obviously, they're going to kind of have to be regardless, but they definitely want to be playing their best ball heading into March. And then high points, just disaster right now. I I, I get it. They're only a six and a half point dog, but this Winthrop team, they have something to prove on top of high point kind of being a disaster right now. So give me Winthrop. I just love this Winthrop team, and um, you know they're they're gonna they're gonna do this damn thing, and they're gonna win the the Big South. So I love it. Plus one fifty one. Even though I agree with you that Longwood and Lowell Chicago are most likely gonna win these games, I just don't love their matchups, and I think that 
both of their opponents will be awfully frisky. I think North Carolina ENT with their guard depth and the amount of athletes they can throw at you, just just not going to go away against this Longwood team easily. I believe the last game they played them, they beat them. Yes, they did. They beat them 70 to 62. I think it's going to be a scrappy game, you know, 11 a.m. game. As Longwood are going to come out, you know, with a lot of focus, a lot of intent to really put them away early. Who knows? You know, North Carolina A&T really built, built momentum in that game they played the other day. So, you know, it's well, kind of one why. of those things that what's more, what's more valuable rest or rustiness. That's what I'm doing this, Ben. This is, this is the at work parlay. This is you're at work. You want something to kind of distract you on, on a Friday. Go ahead. Bet Longwood. Bet Winthrop on the money line. Bet Loyola Chicago on the money line. Parlay them and just and just have fun with it throughout the day. Just just put just put like twenty bucks on it. It's it's gonna be all right. Yeah, I think the money lines are probably safe, but I I really am not comfortable with any of these spreads. I think that uh, yeah, that that Longwood spreads preposterous. I'm not touching that. And uh, you know, well, Chicago. Whenever they lost to Bradley, they didn't necessarily play that badly. Bradley just played really well, well against them. And I Tony think- Roberts. Yeah, Terry Roberts, I think he's just a mismatch for them, and they really locked him up defensively, you know, took advantage of their slow pace of play to not give them a lot of chances at the buckets and cleared the rebounds. So, I, I mean, I'm looking at the board right now. One thing I did like just at first glance was this Buffalo-Kent State over two offenses who have really been getting it going lately. Uh, you know, Kent State's probably had the offense going all year, but Buffalo's really had it going lately, and their defense has been pretty porous. So, uh, no, I, I like that over. It's sitting at, you know, both these sitting at uh 145. So both these teams, you know, like to play at a little pace of play upwards. So I like that. And then the other one I kind of like is uh. Valpo against Missouri State. There's not a line for it yet. I would probably expect Missouri State to probably be a seven or eight point favorite. And I would take Valpo plus the points. I really like the way they played tonight. Uh, their offense has been pretty cohesive this far. Kobe King played a really, really good game. And uh, he's been one of the best players in the conference all year. So, uh, now I'm not sure about these teams who are playing their first game of the tournament laying a bunch of points, I think, is is my point with some of these games. I'm just not sure about it. One team I would feel comfortable laying a lot of points is Murray State against SEMO. I don't think SEMO has any shot in this game, but I'm not sure the line is going to be low enough for anyone to feasibly put uh, money on this. But uh, I will say last time Murray State played SEMO, it was pretty close. It was one of Murray State's slip-ups that they had of a lot up this year where they necessarily didn't lose the game, but they just didn't play really well against a very inferior opponent. Yeah, Murray State loves to play to their competition, so that, that definitely didn't surprise me. But to me, in the conference tournament, they're really going to come out swinging. But everyone wins regardless because we have an 11 a.m., a 12 p.m., 1 p.m., a 2.30 p.m. game tomorrow, all time central time. So everyone's winning. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, if you're on the West Coast right now, again, get your coffee, just a bowl of Cheerios, sit yeah. down and watch. Uh, yeah. Come on, AT and Longwood just go at it in, in, uh, in the Bojangles Coliseum. Absolutely. Well, that's that's all I got for us today uh follow us at on the line nca on twitter uh the website's up otlsports.net and 
you can follow both Ben and I. I'm at cpren21. Ben, you're at Ben Terrell, I believe. B-E-N-T-E-R-R-A-L. Okay. So, yeah, um, as always, like, subscribe, five stars, share. Um, and, you know, we're always looking for feedback. So, please let us know on anything we could be improving or, or doing well. So, appreciate any, any and all support. Have a good one. See you. See you.